This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c Thank you everyone for joining me on this episode. I am so excited to welcome back Catherine Celery. She was with me on episode 45, How to Be a More Conscious Parent. She is a three times TEDx speaker who has taught thousands of parents in a conscious parenting revolution to raise resilient, considerate, centered, and empowered kids who know their inner voice and how to honor it. Thank you so much for joining me, Catherine. I am so excited to be here again. Thank you I'm so much. so excited to have you back. And if you can, just introduce yourself again for anyone who's not familiar when you were on the podcast already. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, you know, as you mentioned, I've got three TED Talks and the journey for me to become a conscious parent and overcome transgenerational trauma is really, you know, all about what these TED Talks are. And the conscious parenting revolution is giving everybody the support they need to overcome if they had things from their own childhood that were ways in which they were parented that they may end up actually duplicating that they wish they didn't, but they don't know how not to. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. We just tend to fall back on what happened to us rather than forge a new approach to parenting because that requires, you know, some training, some real exploration in the world that we don't know. And getting into, well, how do I even implement something that is a more conscious approach to parenting? And episode 45 dived into that exact comment that she just said, how to be a more conscious parent and understand all of those things that may have created who we are. And I completely resonate with that, too. It's so important. Um, We really cannot clearly parent our child if we don't understand the biases and insecurities and how we were parented. Um, And there's so many things that may have worked in our childhood, but there also are things that didn't. And it's okay to say that, right? Like, I think sometimes we think that, oh, well, my parents, you know, they did a great job that if I say X, Y, and Z, you could have had great parents, but no one is perfect. And things change how we view parenting, the things that you may want to do as a parent will change. And I think it's so important that people are open to that change as parents as they navigate this whole journey. Absolutely. And that's the thing is that, you know, I think actually the need to protect um, and not have any like desire to make our own parents feel like badly about, you know, Mm -hmm. what came down can sometimes get in the way of us recognizing that, you know, well, actually, no, I I do think there are some things here for me to, 
like do parenting 2.0 and, and <laughs> you know, move forward, not from any place of blame, but from a, yeah, maybe there's better technology now. Maybe there's more information. Exactly. And I'm so excited about this topic that we're talking today about is why it's okay to raise kids who are self-centered. And I, I'm very curious of what your, you know, what your thoughts are on this, um, because I think there is a balance right now with parents wanting to create that balance of self-confidence, not, you know, self being self-centered, self-confident, um, but why it's a good thing. When is it too much? All of those questions that parents have. I think we're all trying to find that middle ground approach on raising confident children, but also not too confident. So I guess we'll go into that. So why is it okay to raise kids who are self-centered and what does that mean to you? Yeah, perfect. So when I talk about children that are centered in themselves, it means that they know who they are and they actually are totally connected to their own inner sense of self. And that is the safest, best place for our children to be. That doesn't mean that they're inconsiderate of others it means that they know who they are. And again, you know, generally children are raised to be really thinking about that behavior you have is disruptive and you shouldn't do it. Or the way that you're making me feel is uncomfortable. Therefore, you need to change. It's always about the other in a very codependent way mm -hmm. of it's all about how other people feel and I should be adapting myself so that other people don't feel uncomfortable. That can get in the way of people telling the truth. And a child to stay connected to their inner voice and be able to stay true to themselves is my concern, more than how other people feel when they're exposed to that. Because most of the time, it's about what other people feel when they're exposed to it. And I mean, we're talking about a really incredibly nuanced conversation. Because self and centered in self is different than selfish, mm -hmm. which is interested in just, I want what I want, I want, I want, I want my me, 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 me. And that's the selfish thing, which is like, you know, it's great that you have your wants and desires and let's be aware of what other people are experiencing in the room too. That's really healthy balance between being considerate of self and considerate of others. What I'm talking about is, Children growing up where they've been acknowledged for their traits and characteristics and the experience that other people have of those, not praised, because we know the downfall of praise is if you want to lower your child's self-esteem, praise them. So we're not talking about going into the world of praise. We're talking about staying firmly rooted in acknowledging the ways in which we experience our children so that we can speak about it and they can have a firm sense of building their actualized sense of self as opposed to that idealized sense of self. Praise goes to the idealized. Acknowledgement goes to the actual sense of self, which if we give a child a deep rooting in that, then they really do stay centered in knowing who they are and what their sense of self is builds, whereas with praise it diminishes. And what can this being self-centered, and I love that you're clarifying the selfish versus self-centered, because when people hear self-centered, it's often taken as, oh, that's a selfish thing. But you're right. It's completely different. Yeah. What can being self-centered teach our kids? You mentioned a few things, but what else can it do for our child when they go out into the world and they interact with other people? Um, how can it affect them, their self-esteem and so on? Yeah. 
So if you have the child that isn't really clear about their own sense of self, you know, that's to the extreme where, you know, you have kids growing up that you ask them, you know, what's your favorite ice cream? What's your favorite color? You know, what makes your heart sing? They have no idea, but they Mm -hmm. know what you want it to be. Yeah. And so, you know, they're kind of stumped with that. And the idea of raising children that are centered in their own sense of self is that they naturally know what lights them up. They actually know what, you know, elevates their spirit, which makes their heart sing. They're so connected to their inner sense of things that they are drawn by that to the things that are going to create the greatest happiness for them because it's a natural extension of their interests. It's sort of like taking a child who loves um, who loves painting and who seems to have a real knack for that. And maybe they, you can see that, you know, this is a kid that's going to be perfect as an architect or a designer or, you know, something in that realm. And you convince them what they really need to be as a chemist. Mm. Because it's, I don't know, safer in your view. I mean, it's going to keep them. And we guide them not based on being in tune with it, what lights them up, but based on some projection that we think about what's right for them. I completely agree with that. And I think when we talked last time on episode 45, how to be a more conscious parent, we kind of talked about this. Um, but yes, it's so important to talk about that, you know, what makes you happy. And I, you know, now my son is a little bit older now than when we talked last time, obviously. He's 21 months almost. Last time uh-huh. we talked, he was still like under a year. But as he blossoms, you know, I start to see what makes his heart happy, like you said. Mm. And I said, what, you know, we talk about emotions already. We talk about what makes him scared and excited and happy. And it's so beautiful to see, um, you know, and foster that. And it's so, sometimes as parents, it's it's really hard to not put on what we want our children to do or what we expect them to do or what we yeah. maybe wanted to do as kids, which we talked about in the conscious parenting episode. Um, and it's really important to kind of separate that because then when you start to do that, obviously then you can start to really allow your child not to listen to their own wants and not become self-centered, right? They right. start to think about you and they start to think about, well, what does mommy want? What is mommy yeah. going to say? Right? Absolutely. And I think it's such a strong, um, psychological differential between, you know, providing psychological safety, we know is like the number one ingredient to exploration, risk-taking. You know, when I feel safe that I'm loved, warts and all, and I can fail and nobody's going to be critical of me, then I can afford to fail. And if I live in an ecosystem that's been created where perfection and being the best at something is the only thing that's valued, then I won't risk anything that I don't already feel like I'm going to succeed in. And I just limit myself in my possibilities. So yeah, let's create those ecosystems where children have the capacity to explore because they know that it's okay to fail. It's part of our family ecosystem. We encourage trying things that are not necessarily, you know, knowns. And the only way I can actually go out and practice and do that and fail in class in front of other people is if, I'm not so concerned about what other people think about me. 
As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ertube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors' fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 and use code pedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code pedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. When I'm centered within myself and I value risk-taking, then I care about just honoring that sense of self that really enjoys exploration. And a child that has a strong sense of self can do that. If their sense of self is not so strong and they're more concerned with, you know, this idea of it's other people's approval that makes me feel good about me, then I don't necessarily want to risk being seen as stupid or incompetent because other people may then think of me that way. Well, I'm concerned so much about that. I'm not going to be prepared to risk going out and putting myself on the spot. But if I recognize, you know, hey, I love the fact that I can fail. And I don't know about you, but the people that I always 
noticed that actually had the greatest sense of self or self-esteem were the ones who could go out and put themselves on the spot and fail in front of others because mm-hmm. they could risk not being perfect. Correct. And the humility and also the understanding that with that comes learning and with that comes yeah. probably more success. Yeah. Um, you know, once you get there, I mean, once you get to that level of understanding, you know, the sky's the limit in terms of understanding that you're not always going to succeed at everything that you do, but that doesn't mean that you're a failure. It means that not, you can't succeed at everything, but you can learn, well, what can I do different next time? And what can I do like this way to change this? Um, and like we talk about, not the end result, but the work ethic that you put into it. How would you balance making sure that self-centered, you know, that self-worth doesn't become selfish. And I'm talking more like, you know, again, they're completely different, but in a way like that you understand that I have my decisions and I'm valuable and I'm amazing and important, but how do you balance that with others' needs and what other people want and sharing and all of these things that, you know, we want our children to be a part of a community. Do you worry about that balance or where can a parent kind of say, this is when maybe we need to teach them in a certain way about, you know, the importance of valuing yourself, but also valuing others? Yeah. So I think that, you know, when you have the ecosystem that's about, you know, we don't do things out of um, needing to feel like I make you feel better Mm -hmm. or mommy is upset. You know, whenever I hear moms or dads talk to their kids, like you made me so mad. Yeah. You know, that's just like such a dangerous place to come from because then it's confusing to a child. It's confusing to adults that I had the power to make you feel good, bad, right, wrong. It's like, wow, how can I be responsible for your feelings? So we have to really just stay, you know, in this big conversation about other people don't make us feel certain things. That opens up a door for, well, other people do have feelings that may arise. And how do they then talk about the feelings that arise when they experience an event or a circumstance? And that's, you know, that's part of this conversation, actually, is how do we language that whole world of the feelings that come up for me without blaming other people for those feelings? Oh, and like you said, this is so, it sounds so much easier said than done. I mean, I see it so (laughs) much in like, like we talk about, right? Like the parenting cycles of maybe that was done to you. And so then you just naturally do it. And I see that happen so much. Um, And then it really takes a lot for us as adults and parents to say, no, I'm going to be more conscious, like you say, um, understand why this may not be the best way to speak to my child or, you know, wanting to break that cycle. Um, do you find that parents really struggle with that? Like, how can we help parents understand and maybe create those changes so that they it's can break that cycle? Yeah. yeah, it's a human, it's a human predicament that we have to practice differentiating between the catalyst rather than making it the cause of how I feel. Mm -hmm. So recognizing that, you know, yeah, this event catalyzed something within me and these feelings arose and therefore I try to blame the catalyst and make it the cause. And that determines the language that I use in communicating with the catalyst. But the truth of the matter is, is that that's not really the cause. And the more that we as adults and parents speak to our children around this subject, it's so misunderstood. I mean, everybody blames everybody for their feelings. It's Mm -hmm. so prevalent. So because of that, they're going to be surrounded by kids who get mad about something and they start to say, well, it's your fault. You made me feel that way. And therefore I'm justified in, I don't know, eliminating you from my friend group or isolating you um, in our conversations and not including you or, you know, some of the other things that kids do. I mean, a lot of it is social isolation. That's how they punish people for making them feel 
insecure, right? Or making them feel challenged or making them feel, and none of that is true. They didn't make them feel that way. Those feelings came up. It catalyzed that within them and a healthier child with a, you know, a better sense of self would recognize, wow, you know, something's arising in me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this circumstance has brought this to the surface. I really need to be with that something inside of me. And I wonder what that's about and have it become an inner dialogue conversation rather than it's about the catalyst and I need to punish them for causing me to feel this way. And I'm going to do it by, you know, bad mouthing them, or I'm going to do it by isolating them, or I'm going to do it by one of these other things. Is that making sense? Yeah, absolutely. It does. And um, I think this is so important to kind of remember as we navigate this parenting. Um, And again, I love speaking to you about this because I also, it resonates with me too. As I look at the cycle of parenting, being a more conscious parent, um, you know, every time I talk to you, I've had so much more growth as a parent myself, right? I mean, like Mm -hmm. I said, last time I talked to you, my son was a year and now he's 20 months. Um, And then I'll have you on again. And we're going to, you know, it's nice to hear, (laughs) uh, it's nice to hear, you know, obviously we have very similar parenting style and that I, I am also trying to be that more conscious parent. Um, and I do believe in that power of raising a kid who is centered and self-centered and um, empowered, right? And that really goes down to so much of that infant and toddler years I always talk about, you know, because that goes down to how we view parenting, right? Like a lot of my parents that come into my office, they have a five-year-old now has that personality, but maybe in the toddler years and, um, you know, earlier, they weren't allowing that sort of autonomy. They weren't allowing that empowerment piece because they felt like they had to do it all. And of course, our young infants and our young toddlers need our help with some things. But my feeling and my philosophy is it's really important to kind of balance, even from a young age, what is my infant or toddler capable of doing on their own? And how can I empower them with my help developmentally appropriate, right? So that you create that mindset that I want to raise this child who has this resiliency, you know, that centeredness that we're talking about, that empowerment to just really do and feel like they have a voice and that they know what they're capable of. And it's so fascinating seeing that mentality of a parent that I'm trying to do, seeing that in Ryan, my son, right? Like seeing that actually work and like what you're saying, like that actually like happen and you see how proud he is of himself. Not that he made me proud because we really try to not do that, Um, but how he is proud of himself when he accomplishes something, how he feels it in his own self to help not because it makes me feel good, but he likes it. Like he enjoys being a part of something and it's because he wants to do it. And we don't put any pressure. We literally allow him to just foster his interests. He loves unicorns. He loves Legos. He doesn't matter what he loves. We just really want him to feel that, what you said earlier, what makes your heart happy. And I say that phrase so much to him. And it's such a simple, it's such a simple phrase to say to kids, like what made you so happy and what makes your heart happy? Like, and then he goes, and then he goes, mama. And I'm like, Oh, that made me happy. Thank you. But I won't say that. (laughs) Um, But it's so sweet to hear what makes them happy. And it's so, you can do that in those toddler ages, you know, like um, as they start to get their personality and that those words out, it's so great to teach them that. And I love speaking to you about this. What would be your final message for everyone listening in terms of, you know, what we talked about? Well, what I liked just hearing you say is that you can see how proud he is of himself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the word proud is often bantered around in parenting and often parents will say, oh, I'm so proud of you. And to me, that's like a total never say that to your child because it becomes so confusing. Like, 
it's almost like, okay, well, you're proud of me if I do it this way, but then what happens if I do it that way? Are you still proud mm-hmm. of me? I mean, you know, it gets again, the child confused about why are they doing what they do? They're proud of themselves for having accomplished something. They're proud of themselves for having developed the skills. They're proud of yeah. themselves for like this next leap in mastery, you know, whether it's tying their shoes or, or feeding themselves or whatever that next leap in mastery is. So saying to them, ah, oh, I can see it looks like you're so proud of yourself, yeah. right? That reframe around that and recognizing that the word proud can be used as a, um, you know, a dangerous word if it's about me being proud of you. You may also feel a sense of pride and that's present there as well. And you could say, you know, I agree with you. I think you can be proud of yourself too. You know, that actually is something that I agree with. That's incredible. So it just, it's that distinction again, that's so central to what I'm going to call self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And this whole concept of a child being centered in themselves means that they have to actually know who they are and, you know, what their favorite ice cream flavor is or uh, color is. And, you know, what are the things that they identify as being something that they really enjoy, appreciate, lights them up. And a lot of kids who are highly autonomous may have a better sense of that. And those kids that we call the people pleasers, the ones who care so much about pleasing others, they may find it harder. And so with the ones that are more on the autonomous zone, we look at those kids and we know that we need to work more with them around consideration of others and other people's needs. And with those who are more on the sort of like the belonger, caring too much about what other people think of them, we need to support them to recognize that they they need to be pleasing themselves too. They need to be able to speak for themselves too and not just be so focused on what other people think about them. Oh, this is so great. And Catherine, where can everyone find you if they want? I know, obviously, you do the Conscious Parenting Revolution, your website. Um, I would love to put that on our um, show notes today. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, they can go to katherinecelery.com and mm-hmm. they can find everything on the Conscious Parenting Revolution there. And I've got a free ebook and I've got webinars. I have generally every now and then I've got actually not knowing exactly when this is going to publish, but there's a parenting reboot, a five-day reboot that I do occasionally where people can join that. And it's just an hour a day for five days. There are so many different ways to get the resources that they may need. Thank you so much. And I'm going to be putting that on the show notes so that everyone can visit. And Catherine was on my podcast again, as a reminder, episode 45, how to be a more conscious parent. You definitely should listen to that one if you have not already, because it ties into what we were talking about today. And then she will be on the podcast in the early winter, late fall. We're going to be talking about um, why your child doesn't listen to you and how to help them (laughs) listen to you. So definitely join us for that one. Thank you again for joining me today, Catherine. Thank you so much. It was great to be here, Mona. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review, share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. 
with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.